Welcome to the Digital Masters Growth Marketing Podcast for professional service providers, agencies, and consultants. We're going to be talking innovative strategy, tactics, and the tech tools that marketers are using in the trenches today. Made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let's get into it. What's going on, Chris? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's good to have you on. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm, it's, I'm excited to be on, Stephen. Yeah, you know, it's like... I always, I've, I, I'm, I tend to bring on people that kind of spark some interest or spark some, something that's interesting that I know I can, that we can vibe on. And we had, we had like connected through content on LinkedIn a couple of times. And yep. then uh, I was driving home the, from the beach with my family and I saw, the, you know, the uh, Jacoby, Jacoby and Myers, uh, you know, like they have their plaster all over LA. Right. And I was just thinking, man, it's like, that's one of those brands that has like been with me my whole life. And it, it kind of like, I was just kind of in awe of that, like uh, Larry H. Parker, those, those like those kind of big global or not global, but like, uh, reg like, I, I guess across the United States, they're just a brand that's been around for like 30 years. And so then that made me think of you because you've got a pretty interesting niche in terms of like the personal injury lawyers. And I reached out to you and I was like, hey, do you know Jacoby Myers? And you're like, yeah, that's my client. <laughs> and I was like, that's awesome. That's so cool. Um, yeah. So I was kind of interested, like I did check out your website and I, yeah, I heard a little bit about your story, but like, how did you get into this space in particular and like pick that niche? Because it's a pretty unique niche. Yeah, so... I'll do the really quick up to PI. So history education teacher was managing a detention room at a high school, typed in how to make money online, took an Ed Dale internet marketing course. By the end of my second year teaching, I was doing, making substantially more with affiliate marketing than I was teaching. Um, had a whole bunch of sites and was not doing things the long-term quality wise. Uh, and I got smacked around by that first penguin algorithm in 2011, took my income from like 15 K to down to two K a month. Oh, wow. Um, I and, got you were, it. and you were doing all that affiliate marketing through SEO. Is that? Yeah. I got yeah. You. True practitioner really doing it through a variety of niches and, and having a lot of success at it really. And when the income dropped, I was like, well, you know, I need to get a job because, you know, when I was making more money, I was spending more too, you know? Oh, right, more cost right. of living and you know more more expenses and i got a job at a agency in clayton missouri and ended up being their lead seo specialist digital marketer i did basically everything and most of their clients were attorneys so i really got comfortable talking to them i in the beginning i was a little intimidated and I was younger and, and, but they're just like you and I, they're, they're educated, they're passionate about their careers and their profession. And I really understand stood their needs and I could help them in, in certain areas. And so when I went out to strike out on my own in 2013, and I was considering industries, I was looking at industries that I thought could be recession proof, you know, obviously being a global pandemic, it's come into play, you know, had I chose a different industry, maybe like hospitality or, you know, in-person oh, type thing. Interesting. That's smart. And I, I started off as full service. When I say full service, I mean, primarily design PPC and SEO. And every decision I've made has had some data component. 
And at the beginning, at about three years in, I looked at the P&L and I wasn't making a lot of money with, with PPC. And it's like, well, why am I doing this? So now there's things that I know now that I could have applied to be more profitable. Right. But I ended up referring all that out, got a strategic partner who could then reciprocate. I could send them a PPC lead. They could send me an SEO lead. Very symbiotic. And then I looked at design and everyone thinks, you know, design's a loss leader. First, you sell them a website, and then you sell marketing. For us, that wasn't the case. They were coming to us for SEO. That's what our reputation was about. And then they would want to design. And, and like, it just didn't make sense for us. So we went all in on law firm SEO. And a few years later, 2018 hit. And I was listening to a podcast by Seth Godin, and it was talking about being remarkable. He was talking about Purple Cow. And he's like, you know, find the smallest addressable market that you can help. And I always knew in the back of my mind that personal injury firms we really worked well with. But I went and looked at the data, and I found that 70% of our revenue was less than 40% of our clients, which was personal injury law firms. So it was a really clear um, decision, very, very focus that, that that's what we needed to do. And that's how we became a personal injury law firm SEO agency. Yeah, that's cool, man. And I'm, I'm kind of going through um, like a similar thing now where I'm kind of like, there's, there's lots of people I can, I can talk to, but I'm starting. And it's interesting too, because the more you talk to them, the more you learn their language. Right. And then the, and the more you can just speak to them about those things. Like uh, I happen to be talking to a lot of financial advisors and uh, CPAs. And so I'm kind of learning their, their lingo. I have started to talk to a few lawyers mm-hmm. and it does, they, they do feel like a different, um, like they have a different way of, of going about things. Like I was talking to a lawyer yesterday. I was kind of just quizzing him on things that they seem to be like one of the, the one industry that has a very like um, solidified business model. Like they're all hourly, mostly, um, they have their, 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 their LLPs, a lot of them, like they have their own corporate structure. Um, I would think, I think from the outside, it would look like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think being really immersed, they, you know, there's, there's different fee structures. Uh, there's different types of firms, personal injury law firms, you know, they work on contingency a lot. So they only get mm. paid if they win uh, a case, you know, uh, that they're trying or if it's settled before court. And the other thing is, I will say this firsthand, and I think that any law firm owner that's listening or attorney will, will get this, is they teach you how to be a great lawyer or to be a lawyer in law school. They don't tell you how to run a business. So I would say that most, most law firm owners, those solos, those, those SMBs kind of have a real struggle going to the next level where there's a lot of delegate and elevate and actually having a business operating system. And, um, and those that you see your Jacoby and Myers, your Andrew Frankelstein, you know, tremendous business owners, they have those frameworks and they've kind of elevated. Well, I, this was on my list later to talk about, but maybe we'll talk about it now since we already went there, but th- that's kind of like what I was interested in. Like what on the front end, I see like the branding and uh, the consistent, the, they're just always in front of you, like in ads. Maybe I, I don't see them in TV as much anymore, but that's because I just don't watch TV. I watch only Netflix. But right. they, but like somehow they're like, what is the difference? Like they've got that front end. What does that back end look like that that I just never see? That's that's different. Like how how is it set up? 
Yeah, well, I, I wish I could. I wish I knew those. <laughs> I, I'm really on the front end a lot, you know. But I can tell you, they they they're very data conscientious. They, you know, attribution's a really important word. Consistency that you've said is incredibly important. And I just listened to a podcast recently that had many legal legal law firm owners that were successful on it, and they just, you know, it's consistency. It's building a brand. Direct response will get you leads. And that's great. And it's a math game, but building a brand can resonate for a longer period of time. And you can't just build a brand overnight. And, you know, those things that you said growing up, you knew who Jacoby was and it's, you still remember him to this day. And that was like an intentional, consistent thing that they applied. Yeah. And, and, and there was another, another one, uh, Larry H. Parker. Mm -hmm. uh, and they had this one ad and this, this one guy would come on and said, Larry H. Parker got me 2.1 million. And I don't think they're allowed to say that anymore. But like when I was a kid, like everyone was repeating that. Yeah. Like, and, and not only that, but I, I like, even for like, you're watching the ad and even for a brief moment, you're like, man, I want to get hurt so I can go like, <laughs> <laughs> so Larry yeah. H. Parker can give me 2.1 million. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, cool. So then, um, so another thing that I like, so after that, that's what initially got me interested into, into chatting with you. But then I started doing more research. Uh, on you, I went to your website and then immediately I was like, I don't go to Facebook that often, but I went there and I got one of your ads and then I yeah, got I targeted. One, yeah. I got one on, on LinkedIn too. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Cause like, I think a lot of service-based, like, you, you consider yourself a service-based company. Oh, of course. Yeah. A lot of service-based companies have, a, don't know how to get into ads. Is that a new thing for you? Like, I'm interested in like how you when did, how did you know how to make it profitable? Like, how did you start? And maybe we'll go through the this, this story a little bit so I can, cause I'm interested in this. That's a really great question for, for us, for my business at the beginning, it was my small sphere of influence connecting with some attorneys and then doing great work. I got from zero to 250 K MRR, you know, to two to 3 million, whatever that is, it was mostly referrals is doing great work. In fact, even today, even where we're at now, and we're at, you know, close to 600k MRR, wow. we only have one marketing individual. And it's a bunch of staff that does great work. Now we were very intentional about our strategies to build referral relationships. You know, like I said, we, we, we got rid of PPC. Well, it made sense to find someone that offered PPC because our clients need that, that didn't offer SEO. So that was a mutually beneficial thing there. And uh, so very intentional about referrals, quality results. And that's how, but it was a slow, slow climb to that, you know, because it takes a while to build that momentum and start getting those reviews. And, but that's what we did at the beginning. Now, what you're seeing in the last year and a half is we're really investing in marketing and we're not solely depending upon referrals. We love referrals that bring with them trust. But we're trying to build a brand. And I think that, you know, we're, we're investing anywhere from 15 to 20% of our top line every month into marketing. And when I'm in other digital agency masterminds, they're like, wow, that's a lot. And to me, I don't know that it is because it has residual value. So we're doing Facebook ads. We're doing LinkedIn ads. We're doing, we're doing a lot of channels. We're doing little mini acquisitions that I could go into that strategy. Um, social media but, marketing like you're buying up other like seo firms or something 
yeah, this is letting the cat out of the bag a little bit. So hopefully too many of my competitors aren't listening, but um, <laughs> we, uh, so we'll, okay. So the age old tactic for SEO is you want to rank for a keyword, you create something from scratch, you create a, create a great article or asset, and then you build backlinks to it. And over time, over time, you eventually get it to rank. Well, there's a, there's strategies that you can take to that, that is much quicker. And that the quickest thing I can tell you is take our top line keyword SEO for lawyers, the individuals that rank on the first page or second pages, some of those, that ranking may not be worth a lot to them, but it's worth a ton to me. So we found circumstances where maybe an agency wrote a blog that ranked and they don't want attorneys as clients. Or maybe they pursued a new interest and haven't updated their blog for years. So what we've done is we started acquiring assets. And now if you type in SEO for lawyers today, we don't rank one time. We rank six times on the first page. And they're, they're different. So so tell, tell me what you did. What you, you bought... What did you buy exactly? Like the, yeah, their, like blogs. Um, you buy the you blog. know, like a blog, rebrand it. Uh, now it's our asset that we can use as leverage. We have bought landing pages and done a per permanent 301 redirect and maintain the rankings. Uh, and it's just taken up multiple real estate. They all kind of work together. That rising tides effect. That's cool. So so you can so you can go out. You you basically buy the page and you say, hey, let me just adopt this page. They, they do the 301, they get to keep their site, their company, but you buy that whatever was there and you move it to your site and then there's the 301. That's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I got a lot of this, these ideas from Roland Frazier and he has a course called uh, the Epic Challenge, which is all about mergers, mergers and acquisitions and different types. And everyone immediately defaults to, I'm going to buy a business and all the clients and assets. And, and like, those are like, you got to get financing. There's all, there's a ton of things that go into those due diligence and, but buying just a page on somebody's website for less than hundred K, you know, setting up a 301, first of all, it's not as risky and it's, you can do those in cash deals a lot of times. And so you can do all different types of acquisitions. You can do, you can buy the whole company. You can buy just a page. You can buy just the website. You can buy just the clients if you wanted and they keep the company. You could buy maybe, maybe someone has uh, attorney clients and dental clients and they want to focus on dental and you could possibly buy the legal clients. So there's a lot of different strategies there that I think are in my industry which is just bizarre for me to think of. It's not a strategy that's really talked about, but it really works effectively. Yeah, that's actually pretty, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's like when you buy a company, you get all that liability too. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course they, they don't want any of that. So they try to push it all on you and that just gets kind of messy. That's cool. Mm -hmm. So um, so then like, tell me this, like how does a, how does a service company know when, they should even start trying to add. So like, what what are the like what are some of like the the things to say? Okay, this is I'm at this point. I, is it a niche? Is it number of clients? Is it revenue? Or is it something more subjective? Hmm. That's a tough tough question. I think that anyone that's grew a, a large business, there's a little bit of you got to leap and just do it. You got to have right. that. You have this hypothesis. You have this idea, and you just gotta you gotta try it out and get get the data. Um, for us, it has been more about growing the brand. In fact, like our Facebook ads and things like that that you mentioned, like 
my expectations are totally different than most people. Most yeah, people yeah, yeah. want to pay for Facebook ads and they want that lead the next month. Right. And, and, they want, trying, and, they want, and they want to try to close on the first call or something. Yeah. And that's just, that's just absolutely insane to me. If you understand your lifetime client value and, and kind of all of the implications of obtaining a client and what that could mean to your business more than just top line revenue, then you're willing to pay a lot more to acquire those customers. And if someone sees me today and they don't hire me for three years, then it still did its job, but I'm not going to have that, that attribution of a goal conversion. So to me, it's, it's a little bit of art and science. I mean, obviously if you're doing things like direct response, you know, you're doing a pay-per-click campaign and you're bidding on those bottom of the funnel, or you're doing a, uh, something like that, then yeah, you really need to, to measure your cost per acquisition. But if you're thinking about the brand, it's, it's harder to, um, really relate uh, from a, a metric standpoint. Yeah. Well, I think you're doing a good job, man. It's like, I want to hire you. you. <laughs> Even though I know you don't, you don't help guys like me, but it's just like, it was like, you just what you got all these the different pieces. Like I went to your site, you got the videos that tell your story. Um, you got like a very specific niche. So I think it's, it's pretty cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, sure. So then, uh, so once you start getting into the, um, into the paid ads and stuff, like, how do you start, like, how do you, how do you think about it? Like, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you, how do you know it's working? Like, or is it just like what, cause sometimes it's like subjective, like, like you're already saying, like, so what, what things are you looking for to say, okay, yeah, this is, this is working. Yeah. I'm going to pull up, not on a screen share, but I'm actually going to look at our scorecard and that might help me a little bit. So we look at, um, we obviously look at, you know, email subscribers, podcast downloads. We look at number of leads received, number of qualified leads. We look at uh, our organic search metrics. We're looking at a lot of leading indicators that are predictive. And, and that could be even a process. So for example, if we're trying to improve our organic reach on social, it's not always the, the end lagging indicator the the number of impressions or the social reach it might be the actual activity you know did you do two social posts per day if that's the goal where they hit because that will be predictive if you're going to get that reach if you don't do the post you're not going to get the Mm. impression so we're looking at leading and lagging indicators to make sure that we're continuously improving but again not everything's perfect but we are we do track those leads on a uh, on a weekly basis that are predictive. If we're going to increase our sales and our revenue, we can forecast it helps with hiring. Um, a lot of those things that you just kind of learn over time and our scorecards constantly evolving. And, but that's what we're really focused on as many leading at indicators. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think that seems to be like one of the, the best things for, um, like maybe building a brand is those leading indicators. Like, like on LinkedIn, one of the things I look at is just like, how many people viewed my profile? Yeah. And then I'll go through, yeah, I'll go through and then I'll see like out of the people that I looked at it, are those people that I would actually work with? Mm-hmm. So like, are, and, and I, I'm just kind of curious, like, what are you seeing on like LinkedIn right now? Are you seeing, um, cause you're going after a sp- pretty specific person. Are you seeing those people mm-hmm. kind of find you and. Yeah. Yeah. So I can tell you from when we started being heavily active to now, we've almost four times the amount of impressions, um, substantially more connections and follows. 
Uh, I have had direct leads and conversations from LinkedIn. I do know that it's paying for itself just from those individual circumstances. I've even heard my competitors say, geez, you're at the top of my feed all the time. I'm like, that's awesome, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I think I'm more of a long-term play. I think it's, I think consistency is critical for anything. It's the reason we were successful with SEO before doing marketing is because we kept doing it. We kept trying to help our clients. We finally got those reviews. So, you know, posting LinkedIn's consistently, consistently hitting a weekly email newsletter, consistently putting out new content, consistently hitting a weekly podcast. It's just. That's what I've been doing. That's what I've been doing. Um, Yeah. It's like, I think that. That's the one thing that I have, because I, I basically help people with this kind of thing, like y- using like their expertise and thought leadership to create content. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it starts for some companies, it, like depending on how big you are, it starts on just like one individual platform. But the bigger companies, you know, they they have more options. They can distribute to more places and stuff. But I think that's one of the hardest things that I have that, that I discuss with some people. Some people just don't understand um, the value of it. Like some people kind of like, don't necessarily know how to do it, but they say, oh yeah, content, like they, they can kind of see the vision of what it is. Like they buy from people that they see content from. Um, but sometimes it's hard to get people to, to see the value of it in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. I, I just read the book, High Performance Habits, and it talks about prolific quality output, PQOs. And if you can identify what you like doing consistently from an original content perspective, it just has tremendous effect. I mean, Seth Godin's daily blogs, right? You got Shay Robottom on LinkedIn posting something every day. Right. You have um, other individuals that are consistent on video and Gary V on social. It's like, if you can maintain that consistency over a long period of time, I think you can be successful in about anything. Yeah, no, yeah, that's true. And like, and you, I think you, I think first you kind of have to believe in it and then you, you commit to it. And then what I've noticed is like, everyone says content, content, content. So then you start creating it and then, then you got to decide, okay, like now, how am I going to sustain this? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, for me, it's just like, I always have to be kind of doing something original, like, or, or learning something that I can then talk to people about. Cause I, I feel like my entire career has been like selling stuff that I learned just like the day before. <laughs> you know it's kind of true though i mean i get excited about stuff and i i'm passionate about it and i mean i i learn it and then like figure out a way to package it and um so it's like for me it's like you know doing videos doing podcasts interviewing people like you like because like when i when i talk to you it's like i basically get to just like learn a bunch of cool stuff from somebody that that from stuff i don't know necessarily how to do um so there's all these like, besides creating the content and the awareness of who you are, you, there's all these other things that you get from it, like just mm-hmm. interviewing cool people or, or bringing on people that you might want to work with on your podcast. There's all these kind of interesting ways if you're creative about it to kind of use it effectively. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I, you know, I think what you're doing and, and it's easier to, to do the give. Like when you reach out to someone on LinkedIn or email, or whatever, and you're inviting them on a show versus send them an email, tell them their site's messed up. Right. You know? Like it, it's just so bizarre. It's like, you know, the individuals that site's messed up probably had was a key decision maker on why it's messed up. So you're basically telling that individual that they suck. <laughs> That's just and not the best approach. And you're always guessing. 
Like, and like, I suppose if like, if you knew a market really, really well, and you had a really targeted list or something, you might be able to, that guess might hit a good percentage of them. But for the most part, when you send those emails, it's like, you're just making some assumption. And, uh, you know, I, I will say though, sometimes on those cold outreaches, like you do end up having interesting conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Um, like the people that do respond tend to be the most interesting and like open to ideas. Mm-hmm. But you do you do piss off a lot of people along the way, and that yeah. has a that has a, a like an impact on your brand too. Absolutely, I think there's there's different tactics you can take. Uh, you know, you're downstream. You can you can mass throw out stuff. The spam your total addressable market, spam your TAM. That's a Joey Gilkey saying. Or if you're moving upstream to these Jacoby and Myers, these big clients, you need to have a level of personalization, a level of custom. Uh, customization to your message. You can't just have a generic message and expect to cut through to these bigger businesses. Yeah. And that's what I've been trying to figure out too. Like, so there's a lot of content marketers out there. Um, so my, my, my take is like, yeah, I know a lot of the people that I work with, they, they kind of see themselves as thought leaders. So I'm kind of trying to take that angle Yeah, and uh, really helping them articulate those ideas and like, build a, a, a broader strategy around the things they say. Cause one thing, one thing that I've found is like, like with some of these companies, like, uh, like it could be lawyers, uh, CPAs or financial advisors. It's like, they have all this expertise, but like, if you're only talking about like taxes or, you know, financial advice to someone like me, I, I might get kind of bored hearing about that. Like, I don't really want to like hear about, Right. Financial stuff all day. But then, you know, as like I was talking to another financial advisor yesterday, I was like, but hey, but like w- one thing that's cool about your story is you told me you work two days a week. And like you've you've figured something out here. Like that's a right. cool, you're like an entrepreneur. So why don't you write some interesting content around that piece? I know you're passionate about talking about it, but a lot of these, a lot of these people feel like really um like they can only talk about their service. Mm-hmm. And that might not really tell the full story. Because most of these companies, they do sound the same. It's like they all say, um, we'll help you craft your dream life or, you know, like all these kind of bland things. But like, if you were just to be like, hey, I'll help you work only two days a week. I'd be like, I'd be like hey, that sounds pretty, that sounds pretty sweet. Like, uh-huh. tell me that, tell me, tell me about that. And then maybe I'll understand these other things that you do. I think that's a really good point. And I find myself struggling with that, where I'm just only talking about personal injury marketing and, and I need to, you know, basically tell my business owner, you know, um, what I've learned, what I, what I've done, right. What I've done wrong. I think, I think other individuals could connect to that. And also, you know, there's different aspects of myself as a, you know, a, being an entrepreneur, taking the leap and, and being a family person, being a nerd, being a geek. Um, I think that, I think that's a great point. I think, you know, immediately what comes to mind for me in my market, of someone who's doing this is Brown and Crouppen's Ed Herman. He has a YouTube channel where he basically it's Ed versus Ed versus cereal, Ed versus naps. And he just put something out about uh, Christmas gifts and he's getting Emmy awards as a law, a personal injury, you know, managing partner of a personal injury firm. Yeah. He's building this brand about, you know, Brown and Crouppen, but he's also connecting with individuals because you know, the personal injury law firm can't predict when someone's going to get in a car crash. But if an individual does, then he may come to mind because they've saw him on Ed versus Serial. 
Yeah, no, and, and that's what I do on LinkedIn too. So I'll talk a lot about my entrepreneurial journey of things that I've gone through. And then that expands the awareness of kind of me in general. And a lot of the people that may like or comment on my post may not ever want to work with me, but I know how that social network kind of works. And, uh, and so if somebody likes your stuff, it shows up in the feed in all kinds of interesting ways. Um, and so that's, the, that's kind of the fun thing for me is like talking to these companies and helping them think that through because everyone's going to be different, right? Like everyone's story is a little bit different. So what those topics are, are going to be uh, different. And then what I think is at least fun for me is that they, uh, they tend to have all these blockers, like reasons why they can't do it. Or, and so I like to kind of say, well, wh what about this? What about that? And eventually you find something that they're like, oh yeah, I like talking about that. Cause if you don't like talking about some of this stuff, you're going to get um, pretty, pretty bored with it. Right. Right. It's going to drain your energy. Although I did come across the other day, I, I came across a CPA who is like total 100% practitioner, loves doing what he does. And that actually comes through pretty clearly, which I thought was pretty cool. And like all of his content is just like straight tax. Mm -hmm. And he only does taxes and he only wants to do taxes. But, but I think it works for him because he's so focused on just the taxes. And it's just like, he loves talking about that. And so that, that extreme focus, I think allows itself to kind of like uh, resonate with, with the right people too. But, but I think that is harder to, to grow a wider audience around. Yeah, I think so too. I think there needs to be a little bit of a mixture, you know, niche 50%, 50% personal or general business, especially, you know, it's contextual to the platform, of course, too, where LinkedIn, you're going to want to talk more about business than, than any type of personal. Uh, but but some people have been successful on the personal route too. Well, that's what I would say. Just like advice, like a lot of my personal stuff does better, and then it, mm -hmm. it, it, I end up like pick, I can I I just kind of like I don't keep like statistics on it, but I'll just I I have a good memory for this kind of thing. I'll remember profiles and stuff. I'll pick people up on the fringes, um, just based off of like a, a like sharing something a struggle or something yep. like that. And I always like share the struggle with like some sort of triumph too. And I think people kind of like resonate with those, those stories. And, and I, I guess they're kind of tied to business as well. So it's, I don't know. It's like, I, that's what I think is interesting. Everybody has to find uh, their space. Um, so yeah, one other thing I was going to, I was curious about is like, so you work with, you know, you're like SEO master, like, you know, all this advanced stuff, you work with the big people and all that kind of stuff. What do you say to a guy like me? So I'm doing a lot of branding, like I'm doing the podcasts and publishing on YouTube and putting content on social media. What do you say to a guy like me who's doesn't know how to get into SEO? Like, what's like, I, I don't want to spend, you know, five grand a month because uh, I don't, I don't really know what the return would be. Like, how do I think about that? Like, should I even think about it? Or like, do I just start small or like, what do I do? Hmm. Might be a little contrarian to what you, other individuals would say was I would say continue to focus on what you do best your social your 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 video your live streaming things like that until you have the return where you can hire that person that can help you and be that SEO specialist or an agency or strategic partner you know I I think there's a story that comes to mind and I got this from Jason Swink it's you take Walmart as an example Walmart has very low prices, 
but they don't have great staff typically. But if they tried to be target and they tried to improve the quality of their staff and really educate them in the quality of their products, they couldn't be Walmart anymore, right? They'd have to pay more and then they couldn't, you know, couldn't provide the low cost items. And so I think it's the, the kind of the lesson that I took away from it was, you know, continue with your strengths. It's your strength is this focus on only doing that and then find someone else that gets energy and has a strength in the thing that you're missing. Like for me, I don't love invoicing and QuickBooks and taxes and accounts receivable. I hate it, but I've got a director of finance that loves it. Like he can do it. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like I, I, I've been doing like some, you know, personality stuff and I've kind of found like, like I, I, I'm kind of more like a, inventor dreamer i like to think about things and come up with strategies i'd actually don't like to execute very much i've learned kind of how to do it as an as a necessity but i don't really like to do it and i don't really actually like to study numbers um but so let me ask you this then it's like so if i did i did run across a guy who loves to look at numbers and he loves to do the seo stuff so if i were to hire a guy like what's the best working relationship do i, I do i still do i still write it and he just kind of tells me like how to like what I need to focus on, like what are the keywords and like like how do you what how do you come up with a mixture there where I'm I'm providing the thoughts, mm-hmm. but it's still doing like the technical SEO part. Like how do you manage that? Well, I think that uh, definitely I would get some foundational learning, the foundational basics of SEO or anything that you're gonna be involved in. So you can evaluate if it's successful or if the person that you've hired is doing a good job. The, the other thing is, is it, it's going to differ, right? It, it's it's going to be totally different for you or me or however. It's just however you like to work and what provides you energy. I think the Eisenhower matrix, it's the, you know, the, the urgent and poor, you know, the different quadrants. Um, and it's the same for delegate and elevate. Like you should focus on the things that you do best and you enjoy doing and get everything else off your plate. But it's a business framework. I mean, so it's, how are you going to organize the structure of your business? Is it going to be a marketing department with an individual that, you know, runs that and then has the SEO specialists or are you going to be just the visionary that has the ideas and has other people implement them? It's, it's going to be totally different for every individual owner. Gotcha. I was hoping you were going to tell me the exact roadmap. (laughs) I wish I had it. I wish I had it. Yeah, well, I I just like I I think this guy's kind of just getting into SEO, um, but like I've I've just kind of been interacting with him, and I know he's got the, the mind to like figure these things out. So I'm I'm thinking about like fig- using that as an entryway. I'll learn stuff from him. Maybe he can give me enough direction to just like make some early progress. I mean, I am writing some blogs, but I'd like to know that it was at least a little bit more focused. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think you're right. I, I do want to continue doing the stuff that I'm doing because I, I feel like I, I am seeing the results of it. Like nice. people, re- people reaching out to me and uh, wanting to work with me or, I mean, it, it ends up happening so different, so many different ways. Like sometimes they'll just be reminded of you because they'll see something like you already knew them, yeah. but they just, or even people in your local network. Um, so I, ju- I did join a, um, like more of a traditional networking group. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all those people are starting to see what I'm doing over there on LinkedIn and stuff. So it's, it's interesting how all these things kind of pull together. 
yeah, and I think that's a good point. The, the networking part, you know, kind of the learning from other individuals' mistakes, learning what they're doing that's working. You know, I did this, I did the exact same thing. I early in my career, Dan Goldstein, who formerly owned Page One Solutions, I was talking to him about, you know, owning a business and owning a digital agency. And he recommended to, at the time to be Vistage. Oh, yeah. And, I did, yeah, yeah. And I joined Vistage and I was in it for three years. And it was, for those three years, it was very, it was excellent for me. Now, you know, now I'm in a digital agency mastermind and I have my own executive coach, but, you know, I needed that foundation with Vistage at the very beginning. Yeah, that's cool. Well, cool. So we, we, we kind of touched on it, but just tell everybody exactly like who you, who you do work for and exactly what you do for them. Yeah. So we help elite personal injury attorneys dominate first page rankings with SEO and my website is rankings.io. And, but if you're wanting to connect with me on social, I'm most active on LinkedIn and you can just find me under Chris Dreyer. Cool, man. Yeah. And I'll link to your stuff too. Um, cool. So, Hey, well, Hey, I really appreciate you being on like this. I knew we would have uh, a cool conversation and uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to getting to know you better and, uh, and, uh, continuing our relationship, man. So I appreciate you coming awesome. on. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on, Steven. All right, cool, man. I'll see ya.